Back on, there we are. Amen. So, yes, the Huskers won. Had a good game. Uh, Doan won yesterday, so I don't know if you've been following Doan. Um, I actually had a text message on Friday and asked, hey, could you come speak to the players Saturday morning? Uh, kind of like their chapel before their game. And um, Dan Papik, many of you know him at the Ace uh, in town here, hardware store. And so I, uh, I went and spoke to them, had about 40 of the football players and got to speak with them for 20 minutes. Talked with them, kind of on my dissertation stuff about leadership confidence. And so we talked about that. Had a really good time with them. But their, their season this year was what? 0-8. And Dan goes, so you just need to go know that going in. They're... It's been a hard year. And so we, ta- we talked about, you know, I talked about that. And, you know, that's one of the hardest times in life when you are 0 and 8. How are you going to ha- play with confidence, right? Because failure and, and lack of progress is one of the things that knocks confidence out of us real quickly. And so we, we talked about that and just what the confidence that God gives us. Some great young men there. And um, so I, I, I did walk over in the cold, walked over, and I got in. The last part of the second quarter is when I walked over there, and the score was 20 to 3, and it wasn't in our favor. And I was going, oh boy, this isn't going well. <laughs> and, uh, but in that short time I was there, that short time I was there, they scored a touchdown, so now it was 10 to 20. And then they got another turnover, and they took the ball down, almost scored another touchdown. They ended up scoring a field goal, so it was 13 to 20 uh, going into halftime. I said, man, they got. They got the momentum in their favor, and so they came out, scored another touchdown. After halftime, they won 21-20, to first win of the season. So anyway, cool. It's cool. Amen. So praise God. Well, we're, we're getting close to our study, end of our study in the book of Acts. We've got this Sunday and next Sunday. And um, we're going to be in chapter 27 today. And so the, the theme of Acts is Acts 1a, Go ye therefore in all the world. Make disciples of all nations, right? Name of the Father, Son. No, that's not what it is. What is it? And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we see that um, now Paul is, um, he's done his three missionary journeys. Now he is getting an all-expense-paid trip to where? Rome. How many would like an all-expense trip paid to Rome? Yeah, that's where my, actually, my son and uh, future daughter-in-law here, that's where they're going to they're go to Italy for their honeymoon. So, um, yeah. So, all-expense-paid trip to Rome. That's what Paul would get, right? And just on a nice cruise liner is what he would go on. <laughs> All right, we're going to look at his story here today. And then uh, it is ju- it's a story, okay? It's a story, but we're going to pull out some application for us. All right? Um, amen. So how many like to watch storms? Any, any of you storm watchers? There's even storm chasers out there, right, that actually drive out there to watch a tornado. I don't know if any of you are, are that ambitious about them. But uh, I do. I like watching a good thunderstorm, seeing the lightning, hearing the thunder. There's something kind of invigorating about that. Now, we don't want that to damage our home or hit our house, right, or, or harm our lives. Um, so it's fun to watch, but it's not much fun to go through a storm. Um, And so growing up in North Dakota, I knew what it was to go through a thunderstorm. I knew, you know, tornado warnings. We had those occasionally, uh, seeing those stars, those, uh, you know, heavy clouds. But being in North Dakota, I never experienced a hurricane, right? Okay, you kind of need to be a little bit closer to the sea. So 
But in 2005, it was actually the summer when we moved to Crete. And so I had, uh, we'd made that decision. It was in process. I took my first missions trip to Jamaica and taught there for two weeks. And so I was there in July. And so July is typically not hurricane season in the Caribbean, just when Brent goes to the Caribbean, okay? Um, and so I go there, teach my first week, and as we get towards the end of the week, um, all of a sudden, you know, it's, hey, we got this hurricane coming. And it was Hurricane Dennis, which was a, a very huge hurricane. And so it went to the east side of Jamaica, uh, skirted the island, and actually went across Cuba. And then it went up. I think it did get Florida and stuff as well. And so I rem- I've never been through a hurricane, and so they're taping up all the windows, you know, so that they wouldn't, if they did break or whatever, it wouldn't be glass everywhere. And that Friday of the first week, I remember uh, teaching, and it's just pounding rain, and it's a tin roof. It was the Bible school, um, and, and so it's just pounding rain, and it's leaking, okay? It's leaking, so the students are moving their desks so that the, that the rain isn't getting them, and you can't hear anything. So what I had to do, the students got in a big circle, and I stood in the middle, and that's how I taught, because otherwise they couldn't hear me, right? And so we taught through that. Dennis went on its way up north, and so we were okay. We thought, whew, we're experienced one hurricane. Well, then I, I finish out the second week, and I go to Kingston is where I was going to fly out of. Instead of Montego Bay, I flew out of Kingston and st- actually stayed with a, a couple. Um, we had in our Sunday school class in Springfield, we had a couple that was from Jamaica, just a sharp young couple. And both of their families were from Kingston. And so um, we were, I was going to fly out of there on Saturday morning. So I was going to stay with the husband's family. And so I got to meet both families, but there was a problem. Hurricane Emily decided to come through. I mean, just a hurricane, one week apart. And so Emily would come to the south. So I was supposed to fly out on Saturday, but that's when Emily hit. And so what did they do? They fly the planes off the island. There's no way I'm getting out of there, right? I'm stuck. That's one of the things that's kind of like, you you know, islands are kind of nice. We like to go visit them, but it's kind of like you're stuck there, right? You can't, you're stuck, you know? And, And so... Um, Emily came in on Saturday and went on the south side of the island this time, um, which was kind of where Kingston is at. And it poured, poured, poured rain. But fortunately, it stayed off off the coast enough that they didn't get a lot of wind damage. And what they'll tell you is that most of the time when hurricanes hit, most of the damage is not usually from the wind. It's from the, it's from the rain because it's just so much rain and it, it washes stuff away. Um, and so I stayed in this, this couple's house. They were retired. You know, and... Th- on the, you know, it was just a simple house, but I was there. It was just pouring rain, but I sat on their porch. And I couldn't do anything, right? So I just read my Bible. I, I studied. I, uh, you know, just relaxed. They brought me fruit smoothies from the fruit off their trees in the backyard, you know. I was really roughing it. Yeah, I was really roughing it. Um, and, and, and so I just had a wonderful time. And so I was supposed to fly out on Saturday. Ended up getting on one of the first flights out of there on Sunday. It was, that was a cr- pretty incredible trip. I, somebody knew a friend that was a taxi driver, and they drove me there. And I was, you don't know how they drive in Jamaica. <laughs> and uh, so I made it there. And somehow there was all these cars that the, the airport in Jamaica is on this little peninsula that goes out. There's one way in, one way out. And and so all the cars were backed up there. And somehow he got me in there, got me close. So I walked in, and they 
American Airlines got me checked in, and I was on one of the first flights, made it home. So anyway, it was, it was a pretty cool story. Um, so it's one thing to watch a storm. It's another thing to go through a storm, isn't it? Um, you know, in here, in our area, Hallam really had that um, tornado that really devastated the town a number of years ago. Um, and so when we, even in more recent history, there's been towns in Nebraska. Is it Pil- Pilger? Up north, was it? I don't know. It was really flattened by a, uh, a tornado. And, and so it's one thing to watch a storm. It's another thing to be devastated by a storm or to go through a storm. And we see in, in Paul's account here, in Luke's account of what happens with Paul, uh, he has to go through the storm, right? And it's a pretty intense storm. So we're going to look at that today. And we're going to try and keep in our time frame here. But um, we're going to pray and then we'll dive in. Chapter 27. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you take it and apply it to our lives today and speak to us today. Uh, we give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. So, Paul, um, yeah, Chris is going to put up a, a picture here. You can kind of see where Paul's journey is. You maybe have this in the back of your Bible. If you have a hard copy, you usually have some maps there. Sometimes they put this one in there. But you can see where he lives from northern Israel there, uh, lower Syria, and, you know, all the stuff that's in the news right now, right? And they go up around Cyprus. They stop there on the lower part where modern-day Turkey, right? And then they were going to go... The normal route would have been to go on the north side of Crete, okay, the island of Crete. Instead, they couldn't hold their course, and so they go to the south side of Crete, and then we're going to find out that that didn't work out so well, and they end up eventually on the island of Malta. All right, so verse 1. It says, When it was decided that we should sail for Italy, Paul and the other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the imperial regiment. All right, and so Paul has been... He's been in the Roman system court, and he appeals to Caesar, so off to Caesar he goes, all right? Verse 2, we boarded a ship from, um, you can take a stab at that word, I'm not, about to sail for the, <laughs> the ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we went, landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go Uh, to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. So Paul is under arrest, but he still has some freedom there, and they're treating him kindly. He is a Roman citizen. Um, Verse 4, And from there we put out to sea again and passed through the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. And when we sailed across the open sea off the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia, we landed in Myrna in in, uh, Lycia. And there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on us on board. And we made slow headway for many days, but had difficulty arriving off of, of Sindus. So we're, we're using a sail ship here. We don't have a, a, a powered boat here, right? We're totally reliant on sails. And when the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete. So instead of going north side, they're going on the south side, opposite of Salmon. And we moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of um, Lay see. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. And I know that means a lot to you. So when was the Day of Atonement? Day of Atonement is about now. Okay, It was hitting o- end of October, November, which that time of the year was dangerous traveling, right? There was, uh, the seas got rough. 
Uh, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be a disastrous and will bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our own lives, Paul says. But the centurion, instead of listening to Paul, you know, after all, Paul is the what? He's the prisoner, right? How often would you listen to the prisoner, right? Um, he, instead, he listens to the pilot, the captain of the ship, and the owner of the ship. In verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decide that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix, Arizona, right? Uh, Phoenix on the island there. And winter there, and this was the harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. Verse 13, when a gentle wind began to blow, they saw the opportunity. So we weighed anchor, sailed along the, the shore of Crete. Everything's going good, right? Verse 14, but before long, a wind of hurricane force called the northeaster swept down, caught from the, down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm, and we could not head into the wind, and so we gave way. So, you know, there is, they can, up to a certain point, sail into the wind, right? Going back and forth. But the wind was so strong that they had to give way to it. Verse 16, and as we passed the lee of a small island called uh, Kata, somehow they were able to recognize it. We hardly were able to uh, make sh- the lifeboat secure. And so we, the men hoisted it aboard and when the pass ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. So they, the, ra- the waves are so furious and the storm is so monstrous that they're actually trying to reinforce the hull of the boat. They were afraid that they would run aground on the sandbars of, of Sirtis. And they lowered the ship, the sea anchor, and let the, sh- the ship be driven along. So I, they weren't, you know, some of the commentaries were uncertain about this. But when I go walleye fishing, I put down a sea anchor. It's like a big parachute you throw in the water. And in the wind, you can just kind of drift along, right? And I have a feeling maybe they had something like this, all right? And it just helped them so that it would slow them down. But it wasn't like an anchor driving on the seafloor. Verse 18, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day we began to throw our cargo overboard, right? And on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. They're pretty much giving up hope, right? And when neither sun nor stars had appeared for many days, the storms continued raging, and we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice. <laughs> That's always great, right? I know none of you have ever done that. You should have taken my advice. Not to sail from Crete. You would have spared yourself this danger and the loss, the damage and the loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of God to whom I belong, whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And God will graciously... Uh, has given you the lives of all who are with you. So we kept up our courage, and men, I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the the, uh, the Adriatic Sea, right? So the 14th night, there's a short word for that, and it is called what? Who are my gamers? It's called Fortnite. Did you know that? Fortnite means 14 days and on that night. All right, that's a common game. I, a lot of my gamers, young ones, Fortnite. Is that still popular, Daniel? Yeah, it is. All right. That's what Fortnite means. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. Then it was 90 feet deep. All right. 
Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors astern. They prayed for day. In the attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. They're going to escape, right? And when Paul said the said to the centurion, the soldier, "Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved." So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and drift away. So they kind of let go of their way of safety, right, to be rescued. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. From the last 14 days, he said, you have not, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. And you haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive and none of you will lose a single hair of your head. Wow, that's quite the statement. And after he said this, um, took some bread, he gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat it. So he's leading the way there, right? It's kind of like they're having communion right there, right? And they're eating food. And when they had eaten so much as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain and the food into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach. And there they decided to run the ship aground. Cutting loose the anchors, they let them into the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. And they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship hit a sandbar, run aground. The bow was stuck fast. It could not move. The stern was broken to pieces by the pounding surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. That's one way to keep them from swimming away. And the centurion uh, wanted to spare Paul's life, and he kept them from carrying out their plan. And so he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and then get to land. And the rest uh, were to get on planks and other pieces of the ship. And in this way, what? Everyone reached shore safely. Isn't that crazy? Fourteen days in the middle of a storm and a hurricane force winds, and not one person out of the 276, none of their lives were lost. Um, I don't know. Have you ever been in a storm that impacted you so much? And it maybe wasn't a physical storm, but it was a storm in your life that impacted you that you didn't want to eat, couldn't sleep. Your thoughts were constantly being consumed with the storm at hand. How can we weather the storms of life? How can we weather them? Just like Paul did. So there's a few things that I, I see in this that I think apply to our life. First of all, we have to address the needs of our body and our soul. In verses 33 and 36, you'll notice that they hadn't eaten in 14 days. Why? Because they were in suspense, right? They were tied in knots. We use that terminology, right? You just didn't have an appetite. Now, if you were on, how many get seasick, right? Right? Some of you get seasick on branched oak, right? Okay. All right. Um, you know, and I, I've been in the ocean up in Alaska, so I've been on some. But even when I go walleye fishing up in South Dakota, there's some days I get, I get home after the end of the day and I'm looking at the sink and I'm going, ooh, like this, right? Right? I don't get sick from it, but I, my body is still, still there. But think about that. For 14 days being tossed, right? And they probably had tossed their cookies too, right? Um, but they just hadn't eaten because they were tied in knots. And so Paul has to encourage them to get something to eat. And he knew that they were, they were going to have to have the energy to swim to shore. 
They say when you're on the airplane, right? Maybe you've heard this before. And they're giving their little speech before you actually take off. And they talk about the oxygen mask. What's the first thing you're supposed to do? Put on your mask first and then what? Help other people out. Why? Because if you can't breathe, if you don't have your oxygen, you're not going to be able to help other people out, right? Um, in the midst of the storm, we have to address the needs of our body and our soul. You cannot neglect those. And even sometimes when you feel like your body's in not, sometimes you may even have to force yourself to eat. But to take time to pray, but also to get your food and water because you need those things during those times to carry you through. If you're weak, if you're tired, if you're weary, it is not going to help out your emotional mental state at all. And we have to take care of our, ourselves, our body, our temple, even when the storm's intense. And I don't know what Paul, you know, Paul knew the, he had a, this faith and he was confident that they were going to see it through. But he still had to go through the storm. He still had to be in fear of his life as well. Um, and yet in the midst of that, he had this calmness and this steadiness that allowed him to weather the storm. You know, um, when Emily came by in Jamaica, that second storm, bef- you know, the day I was supposed to fly out, it was um, in the middle of the storm. God provided me with one of the most restful days that I can ever remember. God provided for my physical needs. I had, you know, they took care of my meals. It was a restful day. I mean, it, you're, I'm sitting out there just listening to the pounding rain. There's something kind of just relaxing about that. I didn't have anything to do. And I just read, relaxed. There's nothing that I could do, right? It was all out of my control. And, um, you know, I think there's times that God, even in the midst of the storm, can give you some restful moments if you allow him to, if you allow him to. Number two, second point is to listen to God, not the storm. You know, everybody was seeing the waves and the wind, but Paul was listening to what? The angel that had spoken to him and come to him and says, hey, it's all going to be okay. I am going to be with you, and I'm going to see you through that. Did that mean he didn't see the wind and the waves? Yeah, he did. But, but he heard the voice of God. And I think if you're human, you are going to wrestle with that. You can hear the voice of God if, if he's been spending time in his word or in prayer and God gives you promises, He gives you assurances, maybe in a prophetic word. You know, maybe He gives you an angel that comes to you. I'm still waiting for that to happen, all right? But we have to listen to Him and to His word and to His promises in the midst of the storm. You know, I, I think about the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. The storm comes up. One time He's in the boat, the other time He's walking on the water, Right? But in both situations, they looked at the, the wind and the waves, right? That's where their focus was instead of on Christ. And I, and I think being human, that comes pretty natural to us. I don't believe Paul was stressed or overcome with anxiety in this moment. He had weathered enough storms by this point that he trusted in God. And in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, he's writing this in prison. So he does make it to Rome. But he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, 
present your request to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These words did not come just, yes, they came out of Paul's heart, but they came out of his experience and his the storms that he had weathered and he had seen where God and even in the midst of the storm he could have a peace that surpassed all understanding. And the presence of God was there. And God can do the same for us. God can do the same for us. And, uh, you know, I know as a pastor I should be more spiritual than anybody else, but in the storms of life I still get tense. Right? I still get anxious. And I still have to go back to God's Word and hear God's Word. Right? I may not always do, lose my appetite. I maybe, you know, that maybe should happen a few times. But um, where I feel it is more up here. Right? We feel it in different places. But our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's amazing how when we, uh, we that stress and anxiety, we feel it in our bodies. Right? You know, and that's where it attacks. Attacks our heart and our mind. Our mind and our heart. There we go. Um, and so the peace of God will protect us from that. Amen? Lastly, this is the cool part. This is the cool part. Number three. Storms create the opportunity to influence others. Storms create the opportunity to influence others. You know, so what I like about this, Paul was not afraid to share his opinion. They get on the south side of Crete and they said, hey, it's too late to sail. We're past the day of atonement. We should not go. I can tell this is not going to end well for us. And they said, well, you know, you're Paul the prisoner. Yes, we're going to listen to what you have to say. Who did they listen to? The captain, the pilot, the owner of the ship, right? They took a poll and said, no, we should go on. They didn't listen to Paul. Right? They didn't listen to him. But when the storm hits and things begin to unravel just as Paul said it would happen, all of a sudden now Paul has a voice. Think about it. He's still the prisoner. But as we get to the end of the story, who's calling the shots? Paul says, hey, don't let them guys escape. They, if they escape, we're not going to be saved. The centurion says, hey, don't let them escape, right? When they want to kill all the prisoners, the centurion listens to Paul and they spare their lives, right? So Paul goes from this place of having no influence to a place where he is calling the shots and he's still a prisoner. What changed? He weathered the storm and they saw his confidence. They saw the presence of God in his life. And Maxwell, John Maxwell, a great leadership guy, will tell you that the lowest level of leadership is what? Positional leadership, right? I'm the boss, not because I'm just the boss. I have a position, therefore I'm the boss, right? But the highest level of leadership is when you lead because of your influence. Be a leader, you can be not on the Good. You can be a leader and have and be a great person of influence and never hold a position. Did you know that? And that's what we see in the life of Paul here. He did not have a position or he was the prisoner. 
And yet he influences these men. He even leads them in a time of communion. In a, I think it was a holy moment there as they are on that ship for 14 days. They've been in, tied up in knots and he has a spiritual moment there. He, he turns their attention towards God. And we don't know how many of those people actually had a faith in God. Maybe very few of them. We know that Paul had some companions there with him. But beyond that, there was probably very few of them that had a relationship with Christ. I wonder how many came to know Christ through that time. We don't know. We're not given a number. But he had the opportunity to speak into their life. He had a captive audience, right? And he spoke to them and shared with them Christ, right? Because he weathered the storm and he came out of that storm strong and with the presence of God. I would not wish, I'm going to have the musicians come. I wouldn't wish a storm upon anybody, right? I really wouldn't. Because storms aren't much fun to go through. Sometimes we lose stuff, right, in that process. I wouldn't wish a storm upon anybody. But what I can tell you that if you weather the storm, it also opens up opportunities to speak into the lives of people and to influence them in ways that you never thought were possible. And it won't be because of your position, your accolades. It'll be because of the storm that you have weathered. They said, you know what? Wow. They weathered that storm. How in the world did they weather that storm? How did they weather that tragedy in their life? They still have a faith. They still have a confidence in God. They still have the joy of the Lord. How did they weather that storm? I want to know why. And now you have the opportunity to speak into their life. So I would wish that upon nobody. But if God takes you through that storm, I fear this is my take on it. If God takes me through a storm, he's there with me, right? And he holds my life in his hand, right? And he knows, it assures me that, you know what, he's not going to desert me. He's, gonna, he's allowing me to go through this time and this season. He's going to walk through with me. And through that, maybe he's going to use it to speak into the lives of others. Amen? Amen. You know, I, uh, I don't talk too much about politics because in our culture right now, it's pretty divisive. But I've been watching in the last couple weeks just the Speaker of the House thing, right? And I'd sometimes have the Stevie. And I was kind of marveled at the process that we have in place. It's not perfect, but I was kind of just watching it and just these, the voting. and I'd never really had taken that in much before. So I was watching this. and I didn't think it was wise that they voted out the last one. But, you know, it happened, right? And then there's kind of chaos. Who's going to be the next one? So they, you know, it's going to be this person, Bill Jordan or Steve Scalise, other people. And they, it just didn't happen, right? And it's kind of like, are they ever going to get a person? They need to get stuff done. And then just this last week, it was this last week, right? Yeah, it was this last week on Wednesday. I got it in my notes. There we go. All of a sudden, this name comes to the forefront, Mike Johnson from Louisiana. 
And boy, just like that, he got consensus. He got a unanimous vote from his party. And, and so I listened. I watched the last part of the vote, and he got in. Um, and then he gave a speech, and just the, the glory he gave to God. I was just really, really impressed. Um, the humbleness. He's smart. He's smart. He's, he's very articulate in what he says. There's just humility there and a faith in God. And I was just, I don't know. There's times like that that I just, I, I get the impression there's, there's hope for our nation. But here's the deal. He came to where he was at. Now he's the Speaker of a House, which is a pretty significant role within our nation. But it's because he weathered the storm that was happening, Right? And it was because of a storm that his name came to the surface. And I just find it interesting that God would raise up somebody that has some Christian um, foundation, loves God, and God elevated him through the storm. God may do the same for you. Amen? Amen. Would you stand this morning? Father, this morning, we just uh, thank you for this opportunity to study your word. In life, most of us are going to endure at least one storm. Maybe it involves finances. Maybe it involves health. Maybe it involves relationships. It can involve a lot of different things. Occupation and and work-related things. thing about a storm, usually we don't have control over whether we go through it or not. And Lord God, if maybe there's somebody here that is going through their own storm right now, and Lord God, I just pray for your grace, your strength, and that they can sense your presence with them in the middle of the storm. And Lord God, for those that uh, that storm's still out in the future, when it does happen, Lord God, may we not turn right away to thinking, God, you know, why do you hate me so much that you're allowing me to go through this storm instead of just looking to you and, and trusting you? That, God, if you allow a storm into our life, you're going to bring something good from it, whether it's in our life or in the life of others, Lord God. And that we can see your wisdom, your sovereignty in all this, Lord God. And that even in the middle of the storm, maybe you're using it to elevate us and to give us influence in the lives of people that we maybe never had because of your presence in our life. So, Lord God, um, just speak to us this morning, we pray. And, Lord God, if we don't have that hope, we don't have the hope that we, that our name is in heaven. You said that if we confess our sins, declare you Lord and Savior Lord God we can have the hope of salvation we can know today that you are our Lord and our Savior and our our friend and so Lord God be with us here today we give you the thanks and the praise Amen
Isn't that true? Amen. Praise God. I'm going to turn it over to uh, Gary. He was trying to hide this before. I said, it doesn't hide very well, Gary. Victor, would you come up front also? Victor. We thank you for blessings over all. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, and there is cake back there, so make sure you have a piece of that before you leave. Thank you. 